There's a debate tonight. Don't fail to miss it. Yes, the Democrats are in Houston. And if you need me, I'll be watching the Bucks and the Panthers. That's uh, That would be Thursday night football. I think it's on the NFL Network. Anyway, it's it's not a game that really appeals to me that that much, but I'd rather watch someone blow up a football than watch the Democrats out-lunatic each other, which they're bound to do tonight. And I'll be happy to catch the highlights and make fun of those uh, whenever, tonight, tomorrow morning, here on the show tomorrow. Now, George Stephanopoulos, I believe, is one of the moderators tonight, which you know, kind of makes me doubt that there will be really any tough questions asked, but... And then again, maybe Joe uh, George knows, everybody knows that he's a Democrat operative, and maybe he'll actually uh, feel some pressure to uh, ask a tough one or two. But what do you think the reaction would be if Karl Rove moderated a Republican debate? Just think about that for a minute. Karl Rove is the exact equivalent of George Stephanopoulos. He was a top advisor to a president, George W. Bush, just like uh, Stephanopoulos was to Bill Clinton. Uh, no network, including Fox, would ever consider making George the moderator of a, of a uh, or I'm sorry, Karl Rove, the uh, moderator of a Republican uh, debate. But nobody in the media outside of Fox is going to question George being involved in this Democratic debate. And it really, how much uh, pandering can one person take? That'll be the test tonight. Uh, if you watch, you know, how much pandering will you be able to handle? I mean, they may not be pandering to you, but they'll be pandering. And just, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it goes on forever. How many free things can a person offer in the 10 to 15 minutes of speaking time he or she might get in a debate like tonight? And, uh, you know, how many free things can a, a person uh, even expect? But uh, they're going to be out there just throwing them out for everybody. Uh, and, um, what's what's left? I mean, college and health insurance has already been promised, I think, by all of them. There might be one or two on there who might push back against that a little bit. Let me know if they do. Uh, let me know how that turns out. But is there anybody not promising to eliminate college debt? Uh, I don't know. What's left? Uh, maybe having the federal government pay off everybody's mortgage? I've said many times here on the show that I'm holding out for free shoes um, I believe that shoes are a human right, and we should be getting the, someone should be offering to pay for everybody's shoes. Uh, will there be anybody who's not promising free health care to illegal immigrants? Because that's out there now too. That's just that would be something that you would be laughed off the stage for uh, just a couple of years ago. But now it's like yeah, there's something wrong with you if you if you don't offer that. Could there could there be one out of ten who might you know not offer that? I don't know. If so, we'll have highlights tomorrow. Will everybody on the stage be down with the Green New Deal? Uh, Could anybody actually have the guts to say what it is, which is insanity? That'll be interesting. Not to me, but if somebody's watching, if you want to sit through the whole thing and see if that happens. Anyway, the tension is killing me. When we come back, we're going to talk to someone who is well prepared for whatever stupidity on the environment comes out of that debate tonight. And you can expect a lot of that. So if you're actually planning on watching the lunatics debate, maybe you can uh, call what we have coming up uh, here after the break a preview, sort of. Stick around. Every way you look at the 
an employer, a business owner, if you have five to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30%. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. 724-884-1496. We're surrounded by noise. Order today. Bombarded by information. Messages struggling to get attention. So many choices and ways to reach customers. Your message needs to cut through and stand out. Today's technology can do that. But you need the resources and know-how to make it all work. You need Salem Surround. With all the digital marketing tools available and necessary to compete in today's business world, you need to know how to use all the options efficiently. Our team at Salem Surround has the expertise to manage all your digital marketing under one roof. We know digital marketing and how to deliver customers so you can run your business. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. For no limitations on how and where you can reach customers, there's Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today, but now Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to stag fans everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on MyPillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. There's even a great body pillow, perfect if you happen to be a side sleeper, regularly $89.99, but with promo code Stag, you can get one today for only $29.99. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the body pillow, for only $29.99. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 for these great radio specials. That's 800-716-8087 or MyPillow.com. Pillow.com, promo code STAG. You started your business with nothing but a great big idea. They told you it couldn't be done, but that just made you work harder to prove them wrong. Now look at you, ready to take on the world. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South gets where you're coming from. When they said they wanted to create great big graphics for great big ideas like yours in less time than anyone else, they were told it couldn't be done. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South just smiled and said, oh yeah, watch us. When you need a large format printing partner who can provide high quality visual graphics in stunning detail, from trade show displays to outdoor signs, 3M brand vehicle map for your fleet, to window graphics, banners, and decals, Speed Pro Pittsburgh South can handle most jobs in two days or less and can roll with last minute change-ups without breaking a sweat. Who says it can't be done? For a free quote, visit speedpropghsouth.com. 
The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. The Democrats debate tonight in Houston, and your friends from Greenpeace gave them a nice welcome. They climbed the Fred Hartman Bridge to shut down shipping traffic, and uh, they demand a shift to renewable energy, I guess by... You know, Thursday, that's today, next week. Fossil fuel companies use that route, apparently, and 35% of all U.S. crude oil exports come through the Houston Shipping Channel region. So expect all the candidates to pander to that crowd tonight, since they are in Houston. Sterling Burnett is a senior fellow on environmental policy at the Heartland Institute. He joins us now. Sterling, thanks for being here. Good to be on. I'm actually working out of uh, Rallet, Texas right now, so just down relatively down the street oh good so uh my my first question for you is uh if you're aware uh if there will be anybody on that debate stage tonight who just might not be insane about the environment do you think there's anybody there who will like have to have some degree of sanity about this well let's put it this way um there on the stage tonight you will find the extreme crazy left and just the extreme left. So most of the candidates on stage have drank the climate Kool-Aid and believe that we can get rid of fossil fuels in 10 years or 15 years, replace them all with green energy, wind and solar primarily, uh, do without nuclear, (laughs) basically do without the energy that provides about 85% of our electricity right now, uh, replace it all. It took 150 years to build up. We're going to replace it all in 15 years. Um, Not recognizing, completely ignoring the fact that every one of those renewable technologies either relies on fossil fuels in their manufacture, uh, coal to make steel and cement, uh, (laughs) coal coal to help make uh, the the chemicals that go into – uh, solar panels, and as backup when the wind's not blowing or the sun's not shining, which is pretty regular uh, at night. <laughs> and so they all ignore reality. There's a, there's two of them on stage that are a little bit more moderate than the others. They say we can uh, reduce the use of fossil fuels or at least go net zero in carbon dioxide emissions by 2050, and that's Biden and Amy Klobuchar. Neither one of them thinks that the federal government can go in and tell private parties they can no longer allow drilling on their land or states they can't allow fracking but they would uh, end up closing fracking and energy development on federal lands uh, and um you know you pick a year the 2050 to uh, tw- uh, 2040 Do you, i know this isn't i know this is an unfair question but i'm just wondering on your opinion uh, do you think any of them actually really believe what they're saying? Do you think any of them actually have, I don't know, maybe ventured onto the Heartland Institute uh, website or, or gone to look for any uh, con- contra- contrary opinion on what they've now become to, uh, now they've come to believe, or at least say they believe? Well, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't get into their heads and know whether they right. really believe what they say. Uh, I suspect some of them may actually believe what they say. <laughs> I mean, Tulsi Gabbard was uh, supporting the New Green Deal before it was called the New Green Deal. She she actually introduced a bill that's similar to what the New Green Deal is in the last Congress. So uh, she's long been on board. Bernie's long been on board. Warren is crazy. Um, 
you know, Biden pushed his own policies when he was, you know, Obama's vice president. They pushed policy, but they still recognize the need for coal and they recognize the need for natural gas. He and he and Klobuchar both do that. They want clean coal. They want carbon capture and storage. Um, but I am pretty sure few, if any of them have ever, they may have had some of their underlings go to our websites and check out things. But I'm pretty sure none of them have, because if you could trace the email back to them, they'd be blasted by environmentalists for even deigning to uh, to look at uh, uh, what they consider opposition research. You know, it would be interesting. I just thought of this now as you were answering the question, and this will never happen. But it would be interesting if, say, George Stephanopoulos, after he hears uh, one or two or more candidates spew their insanity about the new green deal the green new deal or uh some of the other stuff that they're doing if if he would just say well you know the heartland institute kind of researched this and they have some smart people over there and they said blank just to see what they would say because i don't even think they're ever challenged with with what with the the contrary opinions that are out there nobody ever challenges well, no. them on it. Well, let's, let's 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 be honest the media has largely drank the Kool-Aid as well. They hate Trump, and so if Trump's for it, they're against it. Uh, it, it was funny seeing them do flip-flops over John Bolton. They hated John Bolton when Trump chose him, and now they say, oh, John Bolton, we regret. I can't believe Trump fired another great guy. Like, they did the same thing with Mueller. Mueller was a saint oh, and the greatest. And, yeah. Mueller was a saint until uh, until he didn't get to give him what he wanted when he testified. Uh so, you know, they, uh, the media is not going to call them on it. Certainly the audience, which is a self-selected audience, right? It's people who already buy into the Democratic right. program. They're not going to call them on it. The few people, I, I watched, I watched you know, far more of those recent town halls on climate change than I, than I would ever have wanted to. I'm not watching And yeah. uh, it was just, uh, it was painful. But what was interesting is they did have a few people there who claimed to be former Republicans, uh, some of them there who were uh, educated, you know, uh, in climate science, in, in energy policy. And they asked some interesting questions, uh, for instance, about nuclear energy. They said, look, nuclear is safe. It doesn't pollute. Why can't we use nuclear as base load power? We need it if we're going to get rid of fossil fuels. These were, you know, these were their people saying this. And their response to a person except for Biden um, was, no, 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 we can't store nuclear safely. Bernie, it was beautiful. Bernie says, all we have to do is pass a law, and we've got ingenuity. We can get things done. But then when it comes to nuclear, no, we can't. We, there's no safe way of storing nuclear, despite the fact that Obama said we have a safe way of storing nuclear. The federal government has long maintained we can store nuclear safety, uh, nuclear power safe, uh, nuclear uh, spent fuel safely in Nevada, in a mountain, in the middle of a mountain, Miles and miles, dozens of miles, hundreds of miles away from any populated location, deep in a mountain, we can store it safely. We know how to do it. The only thing holding that up is politics. It's not science. Mm -hmm. Bernie seems to think scientifically it can't be done, but no, that's politics. That's not science. Well, I used to, I'm not a scientist and I'm not that smart, but when I would fly uh, across the country and look out the window, I would look down and I'd think, you know, that, that looks like there might be some places down there where you could store some stuff that wouldn't bother anybody. That's, you know. Well, think, of, think about it nowadays. Right now, under Bernie's plan, where do we store the nuclear waste? At a hundred different sites at nuclear plants in barrels that are rotting. 
that safer than on a military base in the middle of a desert deep inside a mountain? No, it's yeah. not safer. Right. Uh, but that's that's Bernie's answer. So that that shows how unhinged and and how they just have no concept of reality. They really don't think. They really don't realize, I believe, most of them, that every one of the energy sources that they're promoting causes their own kind of pollution and relies on fossil fuels. They'd like to get rid of fossil fuels, but if they do, the wind and solar plants won't work. We won't have energy. Yeah, and what would, uh, if you could expound on that a little bit, uh, you mentioned that they, you know, it, it takes, if you're going to build a windmill, it's going to take energy to produce the, you know, to make, to build the thing. It's going to take resources to, uh, to, to you got to make it out of something. Um, yeah. So, uh, what would be the effect on the environment if America went fossil fuel free, uh, you know, next month? And what, I mean, just what what would what would be the effect on on the country well, on the on the to land? Go, to go, to go, it's 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 whether it's next month or it's twenty fifty or it's twenty one hundred. Mm-hmm. The effect on the environment would be thousands of square miles of open land would be covered with wind turbines and solar panels. You're talking areas the size of, of California or larger. Entire entire portions of the continent would have to be covered. Then we'd have thousands of more miles of land covered with new wires because you've got to string the wires from where the wind blows and the sun shines regularly right. to where you need the power, which is often not where the wind blows and the sun shines. Uh, birds uh, and bats and desert tortoises, they, they die by the thousands, if not the millions. You know, you do so much environmental, and then the mining of the rare earth elements that are needed for the battery backup, for the solar panels, and for the uh, uh, electronics in the wind turbines, you'd be, just, you'd be leaving moonscapes across uh, large areas of the world from the mining of these chemicals and the refining of these chemicals that produce lots of toxic waste. And so uh, I remember reading uh, not a long time ago, actually, several years ago, um, about the uh, nickel plant, I think up in Ontario, that the where they they make batteries up there, which would be needed the batteries that would be needed for all the electric cars that these people want, and I mean the area is just glowing with you know the chemical pollution from the making of the batteries, and then you know that was back when nobody was driving an electric car. What would be happening if every if if all of a sudden we eliminated uh, oil and gas and everybody had to drive an electric car? Oh look. <laughs> The environmentalists are always trying to take the moral high ground. In fact, I heard several of them say this is the moral issue. We shouldn't be foisting our pollution, our carbon pollution, upon the poor in developing countries. You know where they're mining all these rare earth elements? Developing countries. Mm-hmm. You know who lives downstream from where they're refining and mining these uh, uh, rare earth elements that are needed for every one of these green technologies? The poorest of the poor. They're the ones suffering the disease today from these mining technologies and from this refining. They're being killed now, not 100 years from now, and and you want more of that. Yeah, and um, I want you to uh, tell me what you think of this. This is uh, from the New York Times. I came across this because I heard this uh, somewhere else about the gas uh, stoves. This is from the New York Times from uh, May. Your gas stove has to go. We know how... You feel reading those words, but if our society is going to solve the climate crisis, 
One of the things we must do is stop burning gas in our buildings. That puts me in trouble because I have, I'm pretty sure I have gas heat. So they're coming after natural gas too. So it's gas uh, heat, gas water heater, gas stoves. Yeah. We've all got to replace it with electric. Well, of course, the electric's got to be generated from something. Right. So they want to replace it from wind and solar as if that solves the environmental problem. It just exacerbates the environmental problem. It creates different sorts of environmental problems, and there is no evidence, no evidence whatsoever. If you turned out the lights in the United States tomorrow, everywhere, no one has power at all, that it would have the, a, a single iota of effect on climate change. Uh, the, the Obama administration's estimates are it would prevent uh, something like two-tenths of a percent of temperature rise. It would prevent two sheets of paper of sea level rise in 2100. Not measurable. It would have no effect. All that sacrifice is the very opposite of, you know, you go to the gym and they say no pain, no gain. It's right. the very opposite of that. It's all pain, no gain. <laughs> well, this, uh, the, according to the story in the New York Times, uh, a councilwoman in Berkeley, out in California, this was back in May. I don't know what happened with her proposal, but she was proposing a ban on gas hookups in new buildings. So, uh, that's and, happening. No, that's happening elsewhere. That's already happened in, in places in, in, in Massachusetts and New York. They've already done that. And Seattle's about to ban that. And you know what? what's really ludicrous? So I, they've spent two and a half, going on three years, claiming... Uh, the Trump administration has colluded with Russia, mm-hmm. has helped Russia. Right. They have helped him, and he has helped them. The truth is, it's the Democrats that are helping Russia, not in theory, but in practice. They're shipping money to Russia. In Massachusetts, in Boston, two years ago, during the middle of a harsh winter, they couldn't get enough natural gas, and they banned fracking in Massachusetts, and they stopped pipelines from coming into Massachusetts. So they can't get natural gas. They ran out of natural gas to do their heating, and what did they do? They imported Russian natural gas. They were sending money to Putin. They were funding his war machine, and they blamed Trump. But he said Trump's on his collusion. No, they are. Their energy policy are supported by him and support him. making money from, from Russians when they go to these protests to go protest pipelines. Environmental groups have been funneling money for Russia to do that because Russia doesn't want our natural gas coming on the market. They don't want us shipping natural gas overseas. So they're colluding with Democrats on those issues. Well, I'm I'm just about out of time. I'm up against a hard break. I have less than a minute, and I just could you talk about the fact that this has become the climate crisis now? That's the word they're using. Uh, that's a kind uh, we, of an... we we call it the climate delusion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. Look, when it was global warming. Then it turns out that it wasn't warming enough. So they call it climate change because climate is always changing, so how can they lose with that? But that wasn't dramatic enough. People weren't acting. So now it's the climate crisis. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, they'll, I'm, keep, they'll keep changing the name until they get the marketing right. I'm out of town, uh, out of time, uh, Sterling. Thanks a lot, Sterling Burnett. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The Trump administration has revoked an Obama-era regulation called the 2015 Waters of the United States Rule, defining the waterways subject to regulation. 
Dalla Abuzazen with the Sierra Club says the Trump administration is making a mistake for the American people. Repealing the clean water rule gives polluters a free pass to cause real, direct harm to public health and the environment while ranking in huge profits. But Jay Timmons, head of the National Association of Manufacturers, says the administration's plan is the right step. The 2015 WOTUS rule was the wrong way to protect our nation's vital water resources. And that's because it tried to go far beyond what the law allowed. In fact, the water rule actually tried to regulate areas of dry land. That was counterproductive, and it put manufacturing jobs at risk. On Wall Street, that up by 45 points. This is SRN News. So when people first hear about MediShare, they have questions, some really good questions, starting with the obvious, what is it? Well, MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. It's not health insurance. It's a different way of doing things, which leads us to the next question. Why do people do this? Why do they become MediShare members? Here are two of the biggest reasons. Number one, people feel good about it. They're not trapped in a plan that makes them pay for things they don't believe in. They know their money is going to help people. And the second reason, people save a lot of money. Maybe you've heard us mention that typical family saves about $500 a month switching to MediShare. And one more big question, does it work? The answer is yes, a thousand times yes, or 400,000 times, since that's how many MediShare members there are, and they've shared over $2 billion in medical expenses. So easy to find out right now how MediShare can work for you. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. We love it, too, when she finds us. But she could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the answer Pittsburgh skill. After she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the answer Pittsburgh. That's all you have to do, and Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station? That's easy. AM 1250, the answer. If you're worried about market volatility or the possibility of losing money in the next market crash, the time to act is now. Effective financial management involves identifying opportunities. And with a 10-year bull market run, markets around all-time highs, and a highly contested election cycle right around the corner, we have an opportunity now to protect what's important. Don't risk losing a significant portion of your life savings in the next market downturn. Call Hunt & Associates today, 844-366-HUNT. That's 844-366-4868. Homeowners love their Pella windows and doors, and we love how happy we made Susan from Sewickley. I just have to tell you, this bay window is absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's fantastic. It really is beautiful. I mean, beautiful. Can we install some happiness for you? Right now, get 50% off installation or 18 months, no payments, no interest. Call for your free consultation. We'll come to you. 888-78-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly. To protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire, at 412-471-7675. 
My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Heavy delays on the Parkway West on the inbound side from 79 down to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound slowing down Banksville Road to Carnegie. Parkway East heavy outbound from Bay Street to Edgewood Swissdale. Expect delays on the Parkway North outbound Mount Nebo Road overpass up to 79. Southbound 79 slows down from Washington Pike to Bridgeville. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Patchy clouds and humid tonight with a low of 63. Tomorrow, humid with intervals of clouds and sun and a shower thunderstorm in spots in the afternoon with a high of 81. Considerable clouds tomorrow night with a shower thunderstorm around as well, a low of 64. And for Saturday, a passing morning shower, otherwise partly sunny and humid with a high of 79. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Jake Soja. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, the big uh, big news yesterday morning was that the president, uh, President Trump, had fired or asked for the resignation of his national security advisor, John Bolton. There was some debate about uh, whether he was fired or resigned. At, uh, nobody cares about that at this point. Anyway, the reaction from the media was that it was uh, just another sign of chaos in the White House, and that reaction... Uh, not uh, surprisingly, also came from people who were ready to leave the country when Bolton was hired and said he was going to cause World War III. Uh, so John Gay is the executive director of the John Quincy Adams Society, and he says that it was great news yesterday morning. He joins us now. John, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, John. So, yeah, I think it was a, a great move on Trump's part, yeah. So why is it good news? Well, look, you know, Bolton was out of step with a lot of the president's key instincts. He's clearly trying to pivot now from, you know, conflict and maximum pressure toward a more diplomatic approach, trying to get some big diplomatic wins before the 2020 election. And Bolton was just not the right advisor for pulling that off. And you you have to understand the position of the national security advisor is absolutely crucial for getting the bureaucracy in tune with what the president desires. So if you've got somebody in there who's not really willing to push for the president's agenda and is pushing their own agenda, it can lead to a lot of policy problems. It makes you wonder why he was hired in the first place, because I remember, uh, well, not not too long after he was hired, um, I forget which uh, issue they were talking about, but uh, President Trump made a comment like, oh, he said, I got Bolton over there. I got people on both sides. He's like, I got Bolton. He wants to have he wants to go to war with everybody. I mean, he actually made he met, that, those weren't his exact words. But that's basically what he said. He knew what what uh, John Bolton's record was and, and where John Bolton was coming from. So wasn't this inevitable? I mean, how long did they think it would last? I'm surprised it lasted as long as it did, John, but I think it was uh, it was definitely inevitable. Uh, I think what drew Trump to Bolton was that he has uh, a similar bad relationship with the Washington establishment, 
And uh, it was just for different reasons. Trump was willing to break the China on a lot of different issues. So was Bolton. But it ended up that Bolton was much more in favor of these frequent armed confrontations with other countries uh, than Trump is. Um, and um, he, uh, Pre- President uh, Trump, it seemed to take him a while, though, to figure this out. I mean, this is a guy he worked with and talked to every day. What, do you th- what was the last straw, do you think? Some of the reports from uh, coming out through Time magazine have been that they were having a conversation about the recent negotiations over Afghanistan that fell through on Saturday night. Bolton had opposed the negotiations more generally and in particular had opposed the idea of uh, bringing the Taliban in for personal meetings with the president. And that turned into a broader conversation about Bolton's own preferences and uh, the out-of-alignment status he had with a lot of Trump's initiatives, including also Iran. There's been rumblings from the administration all week about possibly providing some sort of sanctions relief, having a meeting on the sidelines of the U.N. General Assembly with Iranian President Hassan Rouhani, and that could lead to uh, you know, a major diplomatic opening that Bolton would not have been a fan of. He's been long in favor of regime change in Tehran, uh, including by military means. It seems to me that that all comes from his total lack of trust for, for these people. I'm talking about the leaders of these people we have conflicts with. And uh, is he is he not wrong? I mean, is he wrong to not trust them? I mean, not trust well, them at think- all? Well, George Washington said you should never count on real favors from one country to another. And I think he was about right on that, you know, but there is such a thing as trust but verify, you know, to to borrow a phrase from another president. And so ultimately, there are things that you can win through diplomacy, even with countries with which you have significant disagreements. And that conversation seems to be starting with Iran. It definitely has been going for a while with fits and starts with North Korea and Trump's willing to pursue that. You know, he's the art of the deal guy, and I'm not sure Bolton wanted to follow him down that path. Um, and what would the Republican uh, and the conservative media uh, reaction have been uh, to Barack Obama inviting the Taliban to uh, Camp David? I think it would have been very negative. Uh, you know, especially around some of the process that's happened around this. It's not been clear exactly what the goals are of the negotiations. However, that said, I think the key point is that the United States needs to be moving toward getting out of Afghanistan either way. Obama had talked about that. Trump has talked about it. You know, nobody wants to stay in this country forever, and yet we've been there forever. Uh, You know, it's been 18 years now since 9-11, and we are still in a conflict that started way back then. And so ultimately, we need to be looking for the exits. Having a deal with the Taliban is icing on the cake. You know, we don't need their permission to leave Afghanistan, and we don't need their permission to come back in if they start doing something that is threatening our interests. Uh, but I think that was a that was a key difference between Trump and Bolton, where Trump was willing to try those negotiations out, and Bolton really was not ready to see them through. We're talking to John Gay. He's the executive director of the John Quincy Adams Society. What exactly is the uh, what goes on there at the John Quincy Adams Society, John? 
So we are a national network of student groups focused on foreign policy, on elevating a more prudent and realistic foreign policy vision. You know, we are not only nonpartisan, I always tell folks we are cross-partisan. You know, we're able to work with people on both sides of the aisle on this. Uh, you know, we, we judge politicians and uh foreign policy actions by by principles, by saying, hey, we need a policy of realism and restraint. Uh, we need to get out of some of these endless wars and focus more on the United States. Now, I, I go back to uh, when, when, when Barack Obama was uh, president and the Republicans were criticizing him uh, for saying he wanted to get out of Iraq. And um, you know, various people would say things like, wars don't end because you say they end. They end when you when somebody wins it, somebody has to win the war before it's actually considered over. But you don't hear the same thing when people are talking about Afghanistan, which has been going on for 18 years. How is that different from uh, Barack Obama uh, just saying it's time to get out of Iraq I'm, and just pulling everybody out? Not everybody, but you know. Well, what I, mean. I think in the case in the case of Iraq, a lot of what went wrong had to do with internal Iraqi problems. You know, Nouri al Maliki was not a uh, a good leader for all Iraqis. He was highly sectarian. He was close with the Iranians. He was willing to turn Iraq's government into a fiefdom of kind of the. Iran-friendly parts of the Iraqi Shia establishment, that created a lot of alienation, which really encouraged the rise of ISIS. So I think it's, it is a very different situation from Afghanistan, where you know the, the Taliban are there, ISIS is there. ISIS and the Taliban actually hate each other because they are rivals for the same kind of ideology, and they go and kill each other all the time. Uh, so I, I think that there is uh, some potential to try to keep those two turned against one another uh, and just say to the Taliban, look, we don't like you, but what we care about is terrorist attacks on the United States. If you're going to harbor al-Qaeda again and allow them to plot attacks on America, we're coming back. But otherwise, we're staying out of your business. Now, you mentioned in a piece you wrote for the Federalist yesterday, uh, a guy who you think should uh, replace Bolton, Colonel Douglas McGregor, who many people have seen, I'm sure, from time to time on uh, Fox News. Why do you like him? Yeah, well, look, I mean, for starters, he's a, he's a bit of a war hero. He was at the Battle of 73 Easting in the first Gulf War, the 1991 war, which was the biggest tank battle that the Army has fought uh, since World War II. And he has a very accomplished military career, and he's been willing to go to bat uh, on behalf of some of the ideas that the president has had on foreign policy that uh, the, the Washington establishment has not liked. He's in particular been willing to support the idea of getting out of Afghanistan uh, and kind of ending these endless wars. You know, he said that the United States has no interests in Afghanistan that are worth the life of a single American soldier. Yeah, and, uh, and he said uh, that Trump was right in – this is from your piece. He was right in July of 2017. He was right in 2018. He's right today. We need to get out. We need to – this is what he said the other night on Fox. We need to get out tomorrow. We need to cut off the funding. We need to withdraw our forces. There's nothing in Afghanistan worth the life of a single American soldier. Trump understands that. He's right. He needs to overrule these people and get out. Now, if you believe that – and I'm not talking about you, but if you're the president or if you're this uh, general or this Colonel McGregor, um, 
then you can't delay 15 minutes because there are people, there are American soldiers who are dying and are going to die if we stay there. And if, if you make the statement that it's not worth the life of a single American soldier, what do you say the next time, uh, you know, uh, several of them are killed in some kind of an ambush somewhere? Yeah, well, first you can put them in situations that are less risky, bring them back onto their bases, start the process of withdrawal. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. It would take several months at least. You know, we've been there a long time. We've got a, a lot of equipment there. We've got a lot of people there, a lot of infrastructure, and that needs to be rolled up. Uh, some of it would be handed over to the Afghans. Some of it would be brought home. Uh, some of it might be destroyed in place so that if it gets captured, it can't be used. So it would be a process. Uh, but ultimately, I think the key is that insight, which is that the mission now is to find is to find the exit rather than waiting for a perfect deal uh, with the Taliban who might not honor that deal anyway. And, um, you know, what we heard for a long time that we need to have uh, energy independence to so we can uh, divorce ourselves from the Middle East and not having to depend on them for oil. Uh, I just heard in the last couple of days that we officially, the United States officially, is producing more oil um, nat- and natural gas than Saudi Arabia. Um, Saudi Arabia is not one of our enemies, uh, but th- it's still it's the Middle East. When should or will this energy independence that we seem to be gaining show up in foreign policy and and get us just out of the mess in the Middle East altogether? Well, John, I wish it had shown up yesterday, the day before. You know, it, it can show up any time now. You know, you're absolutely correct that our economy is less vulnerable to the kinds of disruptions uh, driven by Middle Eastern politics that we saw, say, in the 1970s. You know, and, and if you believe in the markets, ultimately, when there are these disruptions, they're going to create very powerful incentives for people to find new sources of oil. You know, there are a lot of producers, including in the United States, who can only produce oil, you know, when it's up around $70, $80, $90 a barrel and can't produce it at lower price levels. So if you start having some sort of crisis that's driving up those prices, there's going to be new supply that comes on. And so we're actually a lot less vulnerable to these disruptions than we think. You know, that's not to say that there would be no economic effects in the United States. It certainly wouldn't be good if there's a oil disruption in the Middle East, but it's really becoming hard to argue that the United States needs to have tens of thousands of troops there and follow every event in the Middle East, you know, like it's a life or death matter for us, uh, on economic grounds. That that just isn't the case anymore. But we're going to have several Democratic candidates in the debate tonight, and I only have a couple of minutes left here, uh, John, but... Um, we're going to have several Democratic candidates tonight uh, going, uh, trying to sell everybody on the, uh, the Green New Deal and getting us out of the fossil fuel business in the United States just when we have reached what we at least uh, uh, seem to be, uh, uh, we seem to have achieved um, independence. So uh, what does that do? If, a, if, a Demo- if the Democrats take over and, and start moving toward no longer producing our own energy? Well, I think if we have policies that are going to make it harder to have a high level of domestic production, it's going to be harder to disentangle ourselves from some of these overseas conflicts. On the, Looking purely through the lens of foreign policy, I'm not sure that it would be so decisive that we would need to stay in the Middle East anyway. I think there's still a good case 
for getting out because those same market forces would apply. They would apply to less of an extent if the United States is not playing in that market and we would be left out of any economic benefits that might result. But the same the same arguments would apply. Uh, so I, I think there would still be a case for getting out of the Middle East uh, if we were producing less oil here at home, even though it wouldn't be quite as strong of a case. I'm out of time, but uh, I appreciate you being on, uh, John, and uh, trying to clear this up. And there's other things I could have talked to you about, but uh, I wish I had more time. Maybe we'll have you, on, have you on again. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Okay, that's John Gay of the John Quincy Adams Society. And we will be right back. Stay there. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. And out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company, offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roof siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Mention Stag for an additional 10% off. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday on the John Sagerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I was finishing undergrad and got credit cards because I couldn't work full-time. So that started the credit card journey for me. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. And then when I got married, we combined our credit card debt, and it became impossible to pay off on our own. At that point, I was like, I don't know where to turn. And then I found Trinity. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. I mean, in a matter of three years, we've already paid down $20,000 in credit card debt, which is huge. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Obamacare, Trumpcare, ACA, COBRA. There are so many choices, but all seem to bring one word to mind. Expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today. Fortunately, I know someone that has been on the forefront of health insurance for years. Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you choose the best plan for your needs and then do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. Worried about the penalty? All of Marley Financial plans are penalty exempt because they know how to design the plans. Most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousand dollars a year. Call Todd at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 on the web at MarleyFG.com. 
Morning Bullets is asking for the public to respond to a nationwide poll that could help shape political policy in 2020. This is your chance to be heard by the decision makers all the way up the chain. Their question, should the federal government provide free health care to illegal immigrants? Yes or no? Visit trumpspulseonamerica.com to let your voice be heard before the decisions are made for you. Medical services are guaranteed by the Emergency Treatment and Active Labor Act and require hospitals to provide care regardless of citizenship, legal status or ability to pay. The Federation for American Immigration Reform reported that medical expenditures for illegal immigrants was over $17 billion in 2017 alone. The decision is up for debate and the policymakers want to hear what the public thinks. Should the federal government provide free health care to illegal immigrants? Yes or no? Go to trumpspulseonamerica.com now to vote. That's trumpspulseonamerica.com. trumpspulseonamerica.com. Be heard. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, we got a couple of minutes here for some stupidity. Would you like to have some stupidity? And it comes from another college campus. This would be American University. Uh, This story by uh, Walter Williams, one of my heroes. He says, uh, just when we thought colleges could not spout loonier ideas, we have a new one from American University. They hired a professor to teach other professors to grade students based on their quote-unquote labor rather than their writing ability. The professor that American University hired to teach the nonsense is Asal B. Inawi, who was a professor at the University of Washington in Tacoma in interdisciplinary arts and sciences. He is also the director of the university's writing center. In a way, believes that a person's writing ability should not be assessed in order to promote, are you ready, anti-racist objectives. In a way, taught American University's faculty members that their previous practice of grading writing promoted, are you ready, white language supremacy. This just gets more insane every day. Inouye thinks that students should be graded on the effort that they put into a project. So if you write like a moron, if you tried real hard, you still get a good grade. How about that? You're in college and you can't write. You're, you're, you're not able to put together two sentences. And it's, by the way, it's $48,459 a year in tuition to go to American uh, University. Uh, and I, so I, I went and found the uh, this little this essay this uh, thing that they gave to the uh, professors at American and the 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 first page of it says grading ain't just grading rethinking writing assessment ecologies towards anti-racist ends and uh, the he says here the language standards that kill our students grading ain't just grading. This will argue against the use of conventional standards in college courses that grade student writing by single standards. In a way, we'll discuss the ways that white language supremacy is perpetuated in college classrooms despite the better intentions of faculty, particularly through the practices of grading writing. So that's that's what they got. This interactive workshop will focus on redesigning writing courses, assessment ecologies in ways that reduce the negative effects of a single standard of writing used in conventional grading practices. It will offer an alternative to such grading practices, labor-based grading contracts, and a comprehensive theory of assessment that may lead participants to other ways of redesigning their courses assessments. In other words, uh not being able to write by the time you reach college is okay, and obviously it's it's all about racism. So this is directed toward 
African-American students, and it's a major, major example of the soft bigotry of low expectations, and it's really, really dumb. Talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.